dedicated to making the classics readable, relevant, and fun. As two nerdy bookworms, we appreciate the role of classic lit, but we won't get too academic about it. We'll talk about the books we love and the books we loathe, and help stock your TBR pile with old and new reads for every literary taste. Today, we're pairing summer's hottest book releases with backlist titles to pack your beach bag with new and old books this season. Hey, Chelsea. Hi, Sarah. It's been a while since we did one of these. I know, it has been. We used to share anticipated reads more regularly. We did start with a summer reading one back in 2020, and it was really fun to peruse the new releases and decide what we were going to talk about today. Yes, I, yeah, these episodes are a lot of fun to put together and it made my own TBR explode. So <laughs> sorry. That's always the listeners. danger. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, we will get into the hottest books this season and what we picked out for our personal beach bags. But first we have some fun announcements at the top of the show here. We have an I don't know, a different, unique summer going on in Patreon. So our Patreon community, fondly known as Classics Club, is tackling a big book this summer. We're reading Lonesome Dove together, and we've broken it into three parts for June, July, and August, and we're going to have book club discussions after each part. I think that's going to be a really fun experience. That's something we've never done before. We're going to be talking about Western literature and having bonus episodes that are kind of class-like about that. We're going to be talking about our summer reading. We're going to have some fun check-in events where we just say hi to each other and talk about what we're reading. And it's going to be a fun summer. We're really looking forward to it. So if you want to join us for a summer Patreon experience where we're all reading the same book, a big book, and I've heard amazing things about Lonesome Dove, by the way. I'm really excited for it. (laughs) Uh, yeah, you can go to patreon.com slash novel pairings. Is there anything I'm missing about our summer, Sarah? I don't think so. I, I, I'm really looking forward to tackling this, this book and getting to do it in a slow, steady pace. It's a journey book. So it's exciting to like be taking this journey with our classics club and, yeah, it's going to be, I think it's going to be awesome. Um, I think so too. And we're taking off of the main feed for June and July, so you won't hear episodes from us here on the main feed for those months. So if you want to hang out with us, Patreon is the place to do it this summer. Mm-hmm. Yes, and uh, we will be back then in um, late August with some new exciting things happening on the main feed as well so we are personally and professionally taking this summer to um kind of reshape what we're going to be doing on this podcast don't worry all of the things you love about novel pairings (laughs) will still be there um but we are we have some some really fun ideas in the works that i think are going to just um really speak to our audience and we're super excited to come back the end of the summer into the fall um with with some some novelty on your novel pairings yes well put um so sarah before we talk about these books i want to talk a little bit about summer reading i want to know what your hopes are for this summer i don't say goals because those just don't work for us in our life phase i think being hopeful is probably (laughs) a better posture so what are some of your hopes for summer reading what are you hoping to get out of your bookish life this summer i am hoping to feel some momentum in my reading life i have kind of rediscovered a momentum recently and I'm hoping to maintain it and by that I just mean that I am either always reading something or excited about picking up something next Mm -hmm. it doesn't right now have to mean that I'm always in the middle of a book even though that is that's the best but that if I'm not currently reading something I I know a couple of things I might want to pick up next. And so when I do get the time, 
I, I have them at my fingertips um, because I found that in this current reading season, um, if I hit a little bit of a, of a stall, it's much harder to pick it back up. So I'm, I'm, that's one thing I'm really hoping to maintain my momentum. How, how about you? Hmm, I should have thought of this a little bit more before we started recording <laughs> because I'm the one who put this question in the document. <laughs> so I, oh, I have such a busy summer full of a lot of change. And so I think consistency is just what I'm looking for. I know that I will be listening to a lot of audiobooks. So I want to just lean into that and find some that I really enjoy and that are memorable. And then I just, lately I have been better about sort of picking up a book for 10 minutes here and there in the spare moments. And so I'm hoping that I can keep that up because sometimes when I get really busy, it's easy to not do that as much when I can't like sit for an hour with a book. So to just kind of find those margin reading times mm -hmm. and keep listening to great audiobooks and just keep reading as much as I can this summer. Yeah. There are yeah. so many books I'm really excited about I and I just want to keep that excitement and, and, you know, see, see what I can, see what I can manage. Yeah. You mentioned format. So I'll also say that I hope I can read a few paper books this summer. That's the hardest format for me to currently read in and I miss it I mean I'm I'm taking in so many great books and it's not that audiobooks don't count as reading of course and it's not that like the kindle isn't working it's just I miss sitting down with a physical book and so I'm hoping to to work some of that into my summer reading what are some of the genres or themes or styles that you typically like to read in the summertime versus maybe other times of the year? Or is there no difference in your reading life? There's less of a difference now than there used to be, I'd say. When I was teaching, I kind of felt like I had an, somewhat of an inverse relationship to summer reading, as many people do. Like I, I would read quicker, easier things throughout the school year. Not, not always, but um, that's more of what I could fit in. And I didn't have the brain space to read longer books or heavier topics or um, just really literary pieces. And so I, that's what I would read more in the summer. And now, now I think I'm more about just maintaining a balance through every season. So I... I definitely would love to pick up beach reads, which to me in the sense just means like something that um, I don't have to think too hard about and keeps me kind of glued to my seat. But otherwise, I, I'm hoping to read a little bit of everything. And I think my picks will reflect <laughs> that too. Uh, how about you? It's so dependent on the summer. So year to year, it's a little bit different for me, but no matter which genres or themes I'm drawn to, summer reading for me means books that I can't put down. I love when I just can't wait to get to the next page or I can't wait to pick the book up again. And so, you know, whatever that means for my reading life in the moment, that's typically what I'm looking for over summer. So this summer, I feel like already I've been picking up even though it's I guess it's not officially summer yet but I've been <laughs> picking up more mystery and thriller than I have in a long time I took quite a break from from that for a while just because it's been propulsive um I find memoir extremely readable and like I can't put memoir down especially lately for for whatever reason and so I have some of those on my stack so it depends on the summer but I I'm very much just all about like whatever, whatever is going to keep me hooked. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do think summer is one of the times where whatever is really catching my eye in the moment is what I pick up. 
Hey listeners, before you pick up your next read, take a break and watch The Lost City tonight on digital. This hilarious adventure starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum will take you on a thrill ride through the jungle to survive the elements and find an ancient treasure before it's lost forever. Critics are calling it nonstop fun. Bring the adventure home on digital today and go inside the making of the movie with over 50 minutes of extras, including deleted scenes, bloopers, and much more. Bonus content is available at participating retailers. Rated PG-13 from Paramount Pictures. Thank you to The Lost City for sponsoring this episode. All right. So for new listeners, or because we haven't done this in a while, here's how these episodes work. Chelsea and I each selected seven books that we are excited about new releases that are coming out in may june and july so we left off august because we hope to do that again later (laughs) fingers crossed um and because there were so many books we had to limit ourselves somehow so we wanted to make sure we included some books that were already out so those are will be our our may picks and some that you have to look forward to so Unless otherwise stated, we have not read these books. These are just things that we're genuinely excited to check out when they are released. And then we are going to be pairing each one with a backlist title that um, either is sounds similar to us and could be a good one to pick up in the meantime while you wait for this book to come out or while you wait for your library hold to come in. Or something that might enhance your reading experience of the new release because they sound like they just go so well together. So um, we will be talking about each of these pretty quickly because that's what, 28, the real quick math, at least 28 books we're going to be talking about today. So we'll have links to um, our affiliate shop at Bookshop in our show notes so you can check out all of these books and read a little bit more about them and of course support the podcast if you decide to make your purchase that way so anything I left out Chelsea no I think that was great I'm really excited to get into these pairings okay good well tell me about the first book you are looking forward to this summer I am really looking forward to The Murder of Mr. Wickham by Claudia Gray. This is exactly what it sounds like. It's a murder mystery where Mr. Wickham dies. And <laughs> Austin's literary heroes and heroines have to figure out who done it. So this is fun because, well, I love Austin retellings and adaptations in general, but this one is fun because Claudia Gray includes a bunch of different... Austin characters. So Mr. Knightley and Emma are throwing a house party and then a bunch of other Austin characters join them. And I think oh, that's, that's going to be so, isn't it? I think it's going to be so yeah. fun to see how she has them interact with each other and form relationships with each other. So Mr. Wickham is not invited, but Um, At the dinner party, as everyone's talking, everyone's kind of talking about how much they hate them. And then all of a sudden, they're all shocked because he turns up murdered. But there is a killer at the party. So um, the two youngest guests, Juliet Tilney, Catherine and Henry's daughter, and Jonathan Darcy, Darcy's eldest son, are the ones who take on the case and become detectives. And um, so they have kind of uh, a similar, they have like an Elizabeth and Darcy vibe to them where they don't like each other at first, but they have to set that aside in order to solve the mystery. I think this sounds so cute. I, I am sure it's adorable on audio. It's probably how I will read it. And I paired this with Pride and Premeditation by Tears of Price. Um, this isn't a YA mystery, I don't think. At least it's not labeled as such. Pride and Premeditation is, but I found it really uh, enjoyable as an adult. And the characters were slightly older in it. And in Pride and Premeditation... Elizabeth is Elizabeth Bennett uh, is the daughter of a lawyer and she wants to be on the team at the law firm. She wants to be an investigator for her father and Darcy is part of a competing law firm. They have a mystery to solve. It's really fun. 
Uh, and there's a second book in the series that's out now called Sense and Second Degree Murder. And so Tears of Price is taking Austin novels, writing them into mysteries. It's really clever how she does it. And so I think that would be a really fun pairing to read The Murder of Mr. Wickham and then just have an Austin mystery kind of summer. So that is my first one, The Murder of Mr. Wickham by Claudia Gray. I'm excited about that one too. It also sounds like it could be a good pairing for Death Comes to Pemberley and then you could watch the miniseries too. Absolutely. All right, my first book today is When Women Were Dragons by Kelly Barnhill. And Kelly Barnhill, she is a middle grade author. She wrote the book The Girl Who Drank the Moon, which is one of the few middle grade books I've read in the last couple of years. And I loved it so much. She's amazing at world building and using kind of some fantasy tropes and magic to tell really, um, really emotional stories. And she, I wouldn't say that the girl who drank the moon was like allegorical, but she just used the magic in such a smart way to, um, to, to tell stories about like what, what family means. And I really loved loved it and so this is her first adult novel and um it is um about an event in america called the mass dragoning of 1955 when a bunch of women all over the country mostly wives and mothers all of a sudden they grew scales and they sprouted wings and they could breathe fire, and they became dragons. And this event is still totally mysterious. Of course, everybody knows it happened and knows a woman or two who turned into a dragon, but nobody really talks about why some women turned into dragons and why others did not. And this book follows Alex and her cousin B, um, and their relationship with this event as one of their mothers turned into a dragon and the other did not. And one of them is really curious and wants to figure this out. And the other feels a little bit more fearful of that. Um, It sounds just so interesting and imaginative. And um, Kelly Barnhill uh, said that she was inspired by uh, her own anger and many other women's angers after the uh, Senate hearing confirmation hearings of Brett Kavanaugh. So this was inspired by a very political event. So know that going going in and know if that's something that that you want to read about. Um, but of course, like it's taking it in a wildly different direction. And I'm just so interested to see how she how she plays with this theme of women's anger and rage through this fantasy world. So this my pairing for it is a true pairing like I think that this book would enhance when women were dragons it is not at all like when women (laughs) were dragons it is good and mad by Rebecca Traster which is kind of a sociological and historical look at the political force of women's anger and how women getting angry in the mostly in, in American history, um, has resulted in political change and various movements. So I think it would be a really fun uh, thing to read these two back to back and see kind of what historical things uh, Kelly Barnhill is working in her fantasy world that Rebecca Traster explores in Good and Mad. So that's my, my first one. I have that one downloaded from Libro FM. But the cover is so oh, yeah. beautiful. The cover's gorgeous. That I wonder if I'm going to wish that I had a physical copy just because it's so pretty. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. One thing I've been doing recently is like I'm trying to buy fewer books. And so, I mean, inspired by Helene Hanf and 84 Charing Cross Road, I've been listening to audiobooks from my library. And then if I love it, then I buy it, which feels you know, somewhat backwards, but I'm like this, no, this makes so much sense because Mm -hmm. then I'm only spending money on books that I know I want on my shelves. So if you love it, Chelsea, maybe you'll buy it and have that pretty cover on your, on your shelf. Maybe I'm excited about it. Okay. Next up, 
Oh, we're not including the dates on these, right? We haven't oh, been. Both of those were May 3rd. So we will start including dates. <laughs> but <laughs> um, but things have been changing so much. With, I know, so, it's hard. So just double check every everything. Yeah. Those were both May 3rd releases. So they're out. This one is out on May 17th. It is We Were Dreamers, an Immigrant Superhero Origin Story by Simu Liu. And did you see Shang-Chi yet, Sarah? Are you a Marvel movie watcher? Um, not an avid one. And no, I haven't seen it yet. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would like to. I've heard that it's really, really good. I notoriously fall asleep while watching Marvel movies because they are so long and there are so many fight scenes that I do not care about. But I really like him. I actually did not know him from that movie originally. I watched Kim's Convenience. That was one of my first postpartum shows uh, when we were up in the middle of the night with a baby. My husband and I watched all of those episodes and loved, loved, loved that show so much. So highly recommend that on Netflix. But Simu Liu stars in that show. And then he went on to star in a Marvel movie, partly because of a tweet, which I think is such a fun story, but I don't want his story to be boiled down to that. He has such an amazing journey and background and journey to acting. And so in this celebrity memoir, he tells his story. I've heard it's really funny. I love a coming of age memoir. He's just one of those really charming celebrities. Like you can't help but feel like you could grab a beer with him and he would be totally cool. I don't know. Fame might go to everyone's head, but he's he's just super charming in that way and seems really approachable. And so I think that this memoir would be super fun to listen to. I'm sorry, Penny just really keeps shuffling her little paws. She's really needy today. I paired this with Born a Crime by Trevor Noah because I think that this would be a fabulous family road trip audiobook. I think celebrity memoirs are great for that. They're broadly appealing to different kinds of readers. Um, many people will recognize him if your family's into Marvel movies, if you have like teenagers. I don't know about any mature content in the book or how age appropriate it is, but I just think that like Born a Crime by Trevor Noah, this one would please many road trippers. And I really like listening to a celebrity memoir in the summertime. And this one I'm really excited about, not only because I like him, but just because the stories sound sound fantastic. And it's a really stunning cover. I mean, it's a picture of his face, obviously, but like the background is color is just so beautiful. It really pops. Um, and it just looks like such a perfect summer read. So that is We Were Dreamers, an immigrant superhero origin story by Simu Liu. Uh, and I thought it would be fun to read with Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. Oh, that sounds great. And I, I Born a Crime is so good on audio. That would be a great one to download for a, a summer road trip or something if anyone is doing that. Uh, you have another memoir for us. I do. So this is also out on the 17th. And I got this one from the publisher, but I haven't read it yet. So I'll I'll update Patreon once I do. But it's Son of Elsewhere, a memoir in pieces. It is by Alamine Abdel Muhammad. And it sounds so good. So it is a collection of essays. And these essays are on blackness, on faith, on pop culture, and just finding one's identity. It's it's a coming of age story. Again, I've been really drawn to those lately. And so at 12, the author emigrates with his family from Sudan to Kingston, Ontario. So actually, this one is kind of pairs well with Simu Liu's story because he similarly is a Canadian immigrant um, or immigrated. His family moved to Canada when he was young. And so um, Elamine, he realizes once he gets to North America that his blackness means something different than it did in Sudan. And so there's some culture shock there and there is a lot of learning um, for him about how he's going to navigate in the world and, you know, just 
culture clash. So that's where some of these essays come from. But he spends years just sort of trying on different identities and figuring out who he is. And so in each of these essays, he is exploring these different selves that he has been. And through that, he's also talking about the pop culture that he identified with at the time. And so there is a reflection on what the OC, the show, the OC taught him about falling in love, for instance. And I think that that sounds really fun. So this sounds like one of those coming of age memoirs. It's humorous, but it's also just really reflective and um, powerful. And so I am excited to read it. I think it sounds so good. And I love, I love a memoir and essays. I'm almost positive I've said that at least three times on the podcast. So, um, I am cheating a little bit, which I feel like I do every single one of these episodes at least once. I'm pairing this with another new release that came out in April of this year because it's just too good. Um, I'm pairing this with Piccolo is Black, a memoir of race, religion, and pop culture by Jordan Calhoun, who, full disclosure, is one of my internet pals, but his book just came out and... It explores a lot of the same themes. Um, Jordan was a black kid growing up in Detroit, and his family was really zealous about their faith. And so as he was growing up, he was discovering his identity and trying to grapple with what faith meant, um, much like Son of Elsewhere. Um, And he kind of explores his coming-of-age story and his identity through these essays, and they're all anchored in a piece of pop culture, Um, and a piece of pop culture that helped Jordan discover himself and, and discover who he was as a young black kid to a young black man. Um, and so everything from the goofy movie to transformers and sort of these like black coded cartoon characters, um, Jordan explores that. And so these just sound like such a great pair. I read Piccolo is Black. I really loved it. Um, and I'm excited to read Son of Elsewhere. So those, those, one of those is out. Actually, by the time that this episode comes out, those are out now and they would make a really great pair if you're interested in some memoir this summer. All right. My next book comes out May 24th. It is called Night Crawling, and it's by Layla Motley. And I think the first thing to share about this is Layla Motley, she wrote this book when she was 17. I'm not sure how old she is now. She's still very young, maybe just 18 or 19. And she was the 2018 Youth Poet Laureate of Oakland. I mean, so obviously she's a poet. Um, And this book has been getting just rave reviews and a lot of people (laughs) just writing like, you know, this book is so impressive for a 17 year old, but also like, let's forget about her age because this book was just so impressive for a book. So I am really excited to check this one out. Um, this is a book about, um, a pair of siblings. We have Kiara and Marcus. They live in East Oakland and they live in an apartment complex that's fairly run down, but it's called Regal High. Um, and they, are are trying to like keep each other afloat. Both of them have dropped out of high school. Marcus is an aspiring rapper. Kiara is a little bit more down to earth and is trying to find a job to both support them and the nine-year-old boy in an apartment near them who has been abandoned. And she's trying to make sure that he doesn't get um, taken into the system. It sounds like it's one of those books that is both heavy and like effervescent in terms of its writing quality, which tends to really work for me. And it sounds like it would pair well with Salvage the Bones by Jasmine Ward, that sibling connection. In this book, we have Marcus who wants to be a rapper. In Salvage the Bones, we have Skeeta who you know, is, is attempting to like make it with his dog fighting. Um, and their how, how their little sisters kind of respond to the, to that and what family, uh, structures look like for them. So, um, yeah, I, I am really eager to read Night Crawling and Salvage the Bones is, I mean, 
is one of my favorite books. Obviously, I'll know if they're a really good pairing when I pick up Nightcrawling, but it really gave me those vibes. That's Nightcrawling by Layla Motley. I'm adding that one to my TBR. That sounds so good. And of course, Salvage the Bones, one of my favorites too. So that's automatic. Add to to (laughs) possibility pile. Okay. uh, On May 31st, Half Blown Rose by Lisa Cross Smith comes out. And I'm really excited about this one. I've been meaning to read anything by Lisa Cross Smith for a really long time. She has had a few books come out in recent years that I've been excited about. This one, oh my goodness, the cover is gorgeous. The synopsis sounds fabulous. So this is about Vincent, who is 44 years old, and she is a daughter of artists, and she lives in Paris. She teaches at the Modern Art Museum. She's got this great group of friends. Um, So it really seems like she is just living her best life. But she is in Paris because she's escaping from just a really painful relationship. So her husband, Cillian, he published a tell-all memoir where he just spills all of these secrets about their marriage, about his past. There's a hint in there that he might have had a child with someone back in Dublin um, and not with Vincent. And so she's estranged, but she agrees to see him the next summer at their son's wedding. Um, But she's met someone else and this affair kind of throws a wrench into things. And so, gosh, I mean, so in this description, I'm just going to read this little part. Um, So with this other person, she begins an affair and somewhere between dinners made together, cigarettes smoked in the moonlight, hazy evenings in nightclubs and long starry walks along the Seine, Vincent feels herself loosening and blossoming. And that sounds perfect for summer. Sounds so good. So I think that this sounds fabulous and transportive and escapist, but also just really grounded in some serious relationship drama. I think this would pair great with any Tyari Jones. So Silver Sparrow, which is about a secret family that gets discovered. That sounds like it might be similar here, but also Half Light by Tyari Jones is, I think it's just an Amazon original or an Audible original. Um, It's a novella and there's an art piece to that one, Um, but also about like family drama, some relationship troubles, Um, but that the art piece of that and the art in Half Blown Rose kind of makes me think that they would go together. So I think that if you are a fan of Tyree Jones's work, Half Blown Rose by Lisa Cross Smith might be one to add to your beach bag this summer. It is out at the end of May. All right, stepping into June, I am very excited about Woman of Light by Kali Fajardo Anstein. I loved her short story collection, Sabrina and Karina. I, I loved it so much, I added it to my teaching curriculum when I was teaching and um the the students loved it as well she I'm not sure if she's from Denver I want to say she is she currently lives in Denver and so um the book has a great sense of place for Coloradans in particular and this is her first novel and it is getting high praise it's been blurbed by Emma Straub and Mira Jacob and Taylor Jenkins Reid And uh, Celeste Ng said, sometimes you just step into a book and let it wash over you like you're swimming under a big sparkling night sky. And that is what I would like to do this summer. So Woman of Light sounds like it will be perfect for me. So this book is about um, Luz, I think is how you pronounce her name. It means little light or she's called little light. And she she is a seer. She has has visions and her visions sometimes show her glimpses of the future, but her visions have also begun to transport her back to her indigenous homeland in what is referred to as the lost territory. And so throughout the book, we see her living in 1930s Denver, but also um, seeing through her, her visions, her ancestors' origins, and the history of her 
of her family and how her ancestors' homeland disappeared. Um, and to me, this seems like a really fascinating read, particularly as somebody who lives in Denver, to learn more about the history of indigenous lands here and how those lands were taken. Um, and it also sounds like it's very, very magical, very much a multi-generational saga, and um, it just sounds spectacular. I can't resist a book about family secrets, especially in the summertime. So that is Woman of Light, and I think it would pair really well with A Girl is a Body of Water by Jennifer Nansubuko Makumbi. Um, which takes place in Uganda and is also about a young girl who is special in a different way. But uh, this girl, her spirit sometimes leaves her body and she can kind of divide herself in two and, and witness things in a way other than within her her body. And she too seeks to understand her ancestry through some kind of mystical means and oh I loved that book so much it is a big thick book that you will just kind of fly through and it would be a great summer read too um but yeah I think those two sound like they'd be a good pairing I have some middle grade up next fun is unusual for me but I, I don't know. I just feel like maybe a little bit of middle grade in YA would be good this summer, especially on audio. And I know we have a lot of people listening who have kids in their lives, whether they're teaching them or raising them or know them. Um, so this middle grade is a debut. It is Fibbed by Elizabeth Agyemang. And... It, this just sounds so fun. So the really short synopsis is, after telling too many far-fetched tales, 12-year-old Nana is sent to stay with family in Ghana for the summer. There, she discovers magic in the village forest and must join forces with the mythical Anansi to thwart an evil corporation from stealing the village magic for profit. So I love that synopsis. And I also loved what the author said about her debut. Um, also, this is a graphic novel, which I think is super fun. Um, she said that this story is really close to her heart. And it's about a young girl reconnecting with her family and her culture and discovering your voice and learning from the past, searching for the truth and finding power um, in believing in others and ourselves. And so she wrote and illustrated this book, which I think is amazing. And I know so many middle grade or young adult readers who love graphic novels. I think this would be such a perfect summer book um, to put in their hands. And I'm excited to read it too. I think that this would pair well with Akata Witch by Nettie Okorafor. Akata Witch takes place in Nigeria, um, so different country, but the main character was born in New York and is 12 years old. So Sunny is living in Nigeria now, and similar to the main character of Fibbed, Nana, Sunny is trying to figure herself out. She's trying to figure out how she fits here. She's trying to figure out, you know, how her New York culture fits in with her Nigerian culture. Um, and she is albino. Um, and so she's really sensitive to the sun. She wants to be able to just like get through the day without being made fun of for her skin. Um, but then she makes a couple of friends and she gets plunged into the world of the leopard people. Um, and they have this magical, mystical mission and it's based on some Nigerian folklore. And so I just think this one sounds like it would be the perfect pairing. I think it would be great to read Fibbed, which is a graphic novel, pair it with Akata Witch for a family read-along, um, or just for yourself if you're interested in reading some really good middle grader YA. So uh, that main book is Fibbed and it comes out on June 7th. All right, my next pick 
is Horse by Geraldine Brooks. So Geraldine Brooks is the author of March, which is a Pulitzer Prize winning book, um, following the life of um, Mr. March of Little Women. She wrote uh, Year of Wonders, which is a book I read in in college. Um, she's very prolific, and she writes really um, detailed historical fiction that still has very propulsive plots, in my opinion. So um, I'm looking forward to this, but I will include a caveat at the end here. So this book takes place over multiple time periods, three main time periods. We have the 1850s, the 1950s, and then more or less present day. And really at the center of it is a, a painting of a racehorse. And then throughout this book, she follows the kind of history of that horse and the painting itself. And in doing that, she is going to introduce us to um, an enslaved groom who cares for the horse, a young artist who paints the horse, and um, then joins then when the Civil War breaks out, joins the Union Army to to fight, even though he's very much uh, an artist, not a fighter. In the 1950s, we'll meet a gallery owner who comes across this painting and what she does with it. And then in the contemporary story, we will meet um, Jess, who works at the Smith Smithsonian, um, and Theo, who's a Nigerian-American art historian who connect through their shared interest in this long-forgotten painting. And I'm not sure how this book is organized. I would imagine that it's alternating timelines, that it's not just like, but, but I don't know. Um, so I'll be really curious on what the structure of this this looks like, but it sounds really compelling and intriguing and I love books that have multiple time periods and are connected by something that you wouldn't expect like a painting that sounds just so um so intriguing to me so um I my caveat for this is Geraldine Brooks is not an own voices writer for this book she is a white writer and I trust her enough I to to see how well she does with taking on this story. She's Pulitzer Prize winner. She does a lot of research. If she does the if she does, you know, this story justice, then I think it will be wonderful. But I do want to put that out there um, because I think we're still asking a lot of questions about how to approach books like this. Um, so I, if I do get to it, fingers crossed, I will report back on some of my thoughts on that. But um, I think I think it sounds sounds like it could be a really good one. Um, it is longer. It is on the longer side. It's over four hundred pages. Um, so. I think you probably have to have that length to deal with that amount of time period. So just a heads up on that as well. It sounds to me like it would pair well with The Sun by Philip Meyer, which is a multi-generational family story. I don't know if the, it does not sound necessarily like the characters in Horse are familial relations, but The Sun has that same three time period structure where we kind of get almost the whole history of Texas through the, the story of one family. And I think that um, kind of alternating where you see kind of where where things end up in the future and then go back to the past and figure out how we got there, to me, is very much a page-turning structure. So I think The Sun would be a great a great summer read and sounds like structurally might pair well with Horse by Geraldine Brooks. For royal fans or people who, I mean, not like fans of the royals, but like people who like <laughs> to read books about royalty, I have a really fun book coming out on June 28th. I'm actually reading it right now and so far so good. I, I'm hooked from the first couple of chapters. American Royalty by Tracy Livesey, who is a contemporary romance author that I want more people to read. 
She wrote a sexy contemporary romance that is loosely based, maybe not even based on, but evocative of Prince Harry and Meghan Markle's romance. And so, okay, this is this is just such an opposites attract book, and I'm just really excited to keep reading it and see where it goes. But we have main character Danielle Nelson, who is known as Duchess. That is her sort of persona. That is her celebrity name. She is a hip hop artist who is known for being really provocative, and she has built an amazing career. But her passion is her makeup company, which sounds very Rihanna-like. I love it. Um, And her makeup company is like about to really hit it big and make some big strides, and that's where her passion lies. But a video has just gone viral. It's a doctored video, but this white pop star um, was trying to make it look like Duchess was violent with her in some way when really it's the pop star who was was being ridiculous like at a club. Duchess really does not want to address it. She wants to be above it but in order for her makeup company to take off she has to deal with her public image. So this is a stretch but it's it's romance, so we get to just have the fantasy. So meanwhile, <laughs> across the pond, we have Prince Jameson, who doesn't really want to be a royal. He's a professor of philosophy, and um, so he's got a teaching position at a prestigious university, but the queen pulls him in to put on this uh, like royal concert that is going to do things for the royal image. And so he's like, fine, okay, I know I have to do this. He kind of makes a deal with the the queen that he'll do this. And um, so one of his students, when he's just like talking to the person who's planning this event, he asks one of his students, like, who's, who's popular? I... I do not know popular music. I don't know who to bring on. And so this student mentions, oh, Duchess. My girlfriend's been listening to her music and really loves it. And the prince is like, huh, that's clever. Duchess at a royal concert. The queen will get a kick out of that. Not knowing that there's this controversy going on. Not knowing that he is bringing a black hip hop artist into um, this royal, very white environment. So, uh, too late, once she's booked, he discovers that her style is actually quite raunchy and not at all what the queen is expecting. Um, but Duchess also knows, like, this is really good for my image. So they're thrown together in this uh, unique situation. And of course, they, um, they fall for each other. So... I'm really excited to see where this one goes. I think that that premise is just such an exciting, fun setup. And I really love Tracy Livesey's writing. I think that if you like uh, Jasmine Guillory's novels or any, I mean, any of the royal books that have really hit it big over the last couple of years, The Royal We, Red, White, and Royal Blue, American Royals, I think that this one would um, be a great book to pick up this summer. The cover is really gorgeous. I also just want to shout out Tracy Livesey. One of her backlist books is Like Lovers Do, really good contemporary romance it's a fake relationship story it takes place in Martha's Vineyard and there are sexy times in a hammock so what more do you need for a summer read <laughs> love that bonus pick all right now we're in July on July 5th life ceremony by Sayaka Murata comes out I really loved Murata's little novella, Convenient Store Woman. It was so weird and quirky and um, dark, but funny. It was great. And apparently, um, Sayaka Murata is very well regarded in Japan for her short stories, but this is the first collection of her short stories to be translated into English. So this collection has 12 stories, and... um, It's so hard to describe a short story collection always, especially when you have not read it, but 
the uh, um, the publisher describes it as sometimes shock, sometimes sweet, sometimes shocking, and always imbued with an otherworldly imagination and uncanniness. Murata mixes an unusual cocktail of humor and horror to portray both the loners and outcasts, as well as turning the norms and traditions of society on their head to better question them. Love that description. Um, these stories sound like they're quite strange. Um, not necessarily like magical realism, but definitely like verging, I think, into like fabulism. Um, definitely some unconventional narrators. I think we have a short story that is narrated from the perspective of curtains in a room. Very interesting. And I don't know. It just sounds great. I love her voice and I'm excited to explore more of, of her work. To me, it sounds like it might pair well with Stranger Things Happen by Kelly Link, which is also um, a little bit uh, horror-y um, in short story collection, but more kind of fabulism and social commentary with that horror lens. Um, Stranger Things Happen it's is really a fun read and I just think everyone should google the cover it is the coolest cutest cover it looks like a Nancy Drew cover but like weirder and I think you would probably just want this book on your shelf even if you aren't going to read it because it's such a cool cover so that's Stranger Things Happen I'm pairing it with Life Ceremony by Sayaka Murata which is out July 5th I've got another short story collection here, which is awesome. I think short stories have a unique place in summer reading, so I'm hoping that listeners get to pick these up. This one is out on July 5th as well. It is Night of the Living Res by Morgan Talty. And this is set in a native community in Maine. And I don't think that I have read any books by indigenous authors set on the East Coast. So um, I'm intrigued partly because of that. This is a debut collection and it is about what it means to be Penobscot in modern times. And there are 12 stories and they are interconnected. And in these stories, there is humor, there's family, community, there's trauma, um, just, I don't know, they sound so good. So one, for example, a boy unearths a jar that holds an old curse and then unravels his family. Um, there is another um, where these two friends are inspired by Antiques Roadshow and they try and rob a tribal museum. Um, so there's a mix of sort of intergenerational stories too. So there are some about young boys, there are some about um, grandparents and and um, maybe like, I don't know, spanning maybe across four generations. So this sounds fabulous and it's just getting rave reviews from the literary community. So I think an obvious comparison here is There There by Tommy Orange because Orange's novel is a about it's about a native community and it's told in interconnected stories. Um, but I was thinking about The Secret Lives of Church Ladies by Deisha Filia because that was such a stunning debut short story collection that so many of our listeners loved. And similarly, the the stories are all thematically connected. Um, but each story is just so good. Um, the writing is so good. They span generations. So some are about younger characters, some are about older characters. And so, yeah, I just, I, I, I know that it's kind of, um, that might seem like a stretch to connect those short story collections, but I just think um, Night of the Living Res sounds really readable, really like you finish one story, you want to go to the next one. Um, and I found that was my experience with The Secret Lives of Church Ladies. And I just know that Disha Filia's collection inspired so many people to read more short stories. And this one sounds like a great one to pick up this summer. So that is Night of the Living Res by Morgan Tulte. Oh, that sounds, that sounds good. That one's going on my list for sure. All right. My next one is a memoir and essays. So 
Chelsea, put it on your list. It is The Crane Wife by C.J. Hauser. Now, C.J. Hauser, I think maybe three years ago, published an essay called The Crane Wife. I think it was in The New Yorker. It was absolutely beautiful and got her a lot of attention. And now we get a whole collection of of her essays. And um, in, in The Crane Wife, she talks about deciding very... Uh, very close to her wedding date that she is not, um, in fact, going to get married. And she kind of, she, she leaves instead um, and goes on an expedition in Texas to study and write about whooping cranes. And the, the title essay is just a beautiful kind of reflection on, on, nature and loss and our agency and and how we um how we choose to live and i think the entire collection is is really about um her life kind of after that decision and what what her life looks like after she chose a different path and called off a very big deal life change um i am excited to read one of the essays where she rereads Rebecca by Daphne du Maurier while living in the house with her boyfriend that her boyfriend once shared with his ex-wife. So that, I mean, that just sounds so up my alley. Really, really excited to read that one. But um, sounds like the, the essays range from kind of humorous to um, more heartbreaking and I just love her her writing. Um, Annie B. Jones of The Bookshelf, she read this one already and loved it. And she and I tend to have quite a bit of overlapping taste. And so that makes me all the more excited. I, I think this probably would pair well with like some Mary Laura Philpott um, essays, memoir and essays. It does sound like Bomb Shelter by Mary Laura Philpott mm-hmm. would pair yeah. well with that one. And Oh my goodness, I loved that book so, so much. That's one I'll be recommending to everyone this summer. Have you gotten a chance to read that one yet? I started it, but I haven't finished yet. But I'm I'm excited to keep going. She's so she's such a good writer. And she I think is. I mean it's the same with CJ Hauser, where it's like you you listen or you read these essays and it's not just the content it's the form where you're Mm -hmm. like oh my gosh Mm -hmm. how did you do that with that sentence yeah absolutely (laughs) yes uh I think you have another one and then I'm pretty sure that I have an eighth pick to share at the end here too great (laughs) all right well um the crane wife comes out July 12th and another book coming out July 12th a pretty big release is tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin I know many people are big fans of Gabrielle Zevin's um, The Storied Life of A.J. Fickery, which I actually have not read, but I did really like her book, Young Jane Young. And, um, you know, you give me a Macbeth reference in the title, and I have to see what that's about. So this is the only book that I'm talking about today where I have read part of it. I'm two-thirds of the way through. And this book is about Sam and Sadie, they meet as children under really interesting circumstances, and then their lives diverge, and then they come back together, and they end up becoming partners, business and artistic partners. They create video games. Now, I do not play many video games or know really anything about them, so I wasn't sure if this book would grab me, but the way Zevin explores video games, it's very much about like the art form, but she explains the world, the gamer world enough that I felt very like immersed in what I needed to know without her verging into things that I did not care about. Um, really, really good balance there. And, and this book is about friendship and love and art and business and money and how all of those things intersect and um, make life hard but also beautiful and um, 
One thing I did not know, Gabrielle Zevin is half Korean, and she says that in her in her writing, to her, like all of her characters um, have some of herself in them, but that she's never explicitly written about the experience of being biracial, and it was very important to her to do that in this book. And so the book also um, really is about intersectional identity and how um, identities kind of shift or people code switch in different spaces. And, and that was really well done in, in my reading too. I think it's, it's just a really interesting and beautiful book. And I love, I love the way the story is unfolding so far. So to me, this book is a lot like The Interestings by Meg Wolitzer, which is also about a group of artistic friends and where their romances and families and friendships and business relationships take them. But tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow, the characters are much more likable. Like you're going to root for these characters in a way that you might not with the characters in The Interestings. Um, I love The Interestings and I, I, so this is high praise for me, but if that was your hang up with Meg Wolitzer, um, you might still like Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow by Gabrielle Zevin. Love a Shakespeare reference in the title. Mm-hmm. And there's lots of Shakespeare references throughout um, the Tempest gets mentioned quite a bit. And, um, yeah, there's, there's so much to pick up on in this, this book. Okay. So I don't know if I'll actually read this last book. I'm, I'm <laughs> scared to, but I wanted to mention it for shout out to Raylan, our horror reader and, and all of the other listeners who are like, uh, do you all ever read horror? Are you going <laughs> to read some horror for us or recommend some horror? Um, I don't know about that, but this one, I mean, it does sound really good. It is out on July 19th, Just Like Home by Sarah Gailey. And I've been too scared to read anything by them. Um, but, oh gosh, Sarah, this description. Have you seen the cover too for this book? No, I'm going to look it up right now. Okay, it's it's a really stunning cover. Um, so... Vera's mother calls her home. They were estranged, and apparently there are a lot of bad memories at this house because Vera's father was a serial killer. So she goes back home. She's got to, like, face the past um, and the bodies that he buried in the backyard. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Um, Okay. (laughs) um, But... She and her mother aren't alone. There's this artist who moved into the guest house and um, he insists that he's not leaving notes around the house, but Vera's finding notes in her father's handwriting all around the house. So secrets, a creepy house. This sounds very gothic, which is what makes me think like, okay, well, maybe I can read this one and it would probably pair well with some Victorian gothics. Uh, yeah. So I think that this also sounds very Gillian Flynn-like, maybe pairs well with Sharp Objects, which is also about a complicated mother-daughter relationship. So, uh, it's, it's horror, but also sounds kind of thrillery, creepy house, like maybe I can do it. So if someone's already read, uh, the, uh, arc of this i think it's on netgalley um and would like to let me know if it's too scary uh yeah just like home by sarah gailey i think i mean i've been wanting to read their work but i'm scared so let me know sarah gailey just loves to experiment with genre like they've written like a you know magic school dark academia book a western uh some sci-fi um, yeah, now we have a gothic horror. I love it. Well, I might try to read that one and I can let you know if it's super scary. Isn't the cover? The cover's incredible? amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. So this, since this is not a visual medium, it's pink. And then there's this like bloody red dripping house on the cover. And the text is really like, it's just really great graphic design. Mm-hmm. Agreed. 
All right. Well, I think we have sufficiently filled our own and hopefully our listeners' beach bags with summer reads, both forthcoming and backlist. We hope that you found something you're excited to pick up today. If you are looking for a community of kind and clever readers to discuss classic and contemporary literature with, we would love for you to join us on Patreon. This summer, we're reading Lonesome Dove by Larry McMurtry, and we're going to share lots of summer reading updates and book reviews, and we're going to learn about new-to-us genres like the Western. So go to patreon.com slash novel pairings and find your fellow literature nerds. And then for updates and announcements, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Novel Pairings Pod. Thanks to everyone who's been sharing the podcast lately on your stories or in your feed to get your friends listening. Super helpful to us. Thank you. Um, and you can also subscribe to our newsletter at novelpairings.substack.com. Thanks to uh, thanks to Jenny. We're going to get that back up and running. We have read some really sweet reviews of our podcast recently. Thank you so much to everyone who's written a review in the last few weeks. Please keep them coming. Writing a review on Apple Podcasts helps more bookworms find our show. Keep sharing novel pairings with friends, family, and internet acquaintances. We so appreciate it. Thank you to Miles Eichner and Mark Anderson for our theme music. Next week, we'll be back to discuss Romance in Marseille by Claude McKay. Until then, we declare, after all, there is no enjoyment like reading. How much sooner one tires of anything than of a book.